T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. After the police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, there was a lot more going on than demonstrations and unrest. There was a lot of talk about inequities, inequities in healthcare with a pandemic underway, inequities in the justice system, and a lot of talk also centered on inequities in corporate commitments to equity or a lack of it. And the question is, is it all talk? My guests this weekend are here to make sure that the answer is no. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. In May, a year after George Floyd's horrific videotaped murder, two entities in the midst of Chicago's recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic came together to address the wider issues that the health crisis highlighted. The Chicago Community Trust teamed up with the Corporate Coalition of Chicago to launch what they call 525 Move to Action. May 25th was the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. The aim is for corporations to address the economic inequities that have left communities of color especially lagging so far behind. My guests can better explain that mission and what they're doing, and they will in this half hour. Gloria Castillo is the director of We Rise Together, the Chicago Community Trust Recovery Initiative. Brian Fabes is the director of the Corporate Coalition of Chicago, and they are both joining me via Zoom conferencing, and welcome to you both. Glad to be here, Craig. Good to be here, Craig. Uh, let's start by, uh, Gloria, you talking about what is the, the mission of this uh, this. Uh, initiative, the uh, we we rise. Excuse me, the uh, the five twenty five move to action initiative. Well, five twenty five move to action is really a collaborative effort between the corporate coalition and we rise together for an equitable and just recovery. And what we know is that we have a once in a generation opportunity to build a foundation for a more sustainable, resilient, and inclusive recovery. So the context for this, I wanna give a little bit of context before we get into the, the details. Coming out of COVID is the equivalent of coming out of the Great Recession. Historically, we know that the Black and Latinx communities were already at a disadvantage. And when there are further setbacks like COVID, these communities take the longest to recover. In fact, following the Great Recession, 10, 10 years coming out of the Great Recession that started in 20, 2007, African-American households had not recovered their pre-recession median income. So We Rise Together is an accelerator to help close the uh, racial and economic wealth gap. 
for those hardest hit by COVID. And the 525 move to action is actually an opportunity for us to take the collective efforts of companies to turn commitments into action through business practices and policies. So when you understand the context of coming out of, the, of a recession, the impact of 25 companies pledging to uh, build wealth in the Black and Latinx communities through inclusive employment, through uh, Black and Latinx business growth, and through neighborhood investment, this is a very powerful moment. And that's why we came together with these companies, is to harness that power towards, um, towards greater equity in the business community. And uh, Brian Faves, I want to ask you a, 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 a 10,000 foot question before we get into the, uh, the nitty gritty details. And that is getting companies together to do this. It can go one of two ways. Either they can be uh, pulled into it, uh, sometimes drag kicking and screaming, or if not that, at least uh, grudgingly. Um, or it's something that bubbles up from within them. What was it for this uh, this movement? Did you have to reach out to these companies or were these companies aching to do something or a combination of both? I think primarily companies are aching to do something, to use your words, Craig. And what we try to do is help provide paths for them to, to do what they want to do, to do more of it, to have a bigger impact with what, when you say companies, we're talking about the employees, the leadership want to do. And maybe I'll take a half step back and give the context of the coalition if that works for you and, and how yes. this overlaps and kind of speaks a bit to your, your question. The corporate coalition began actually in 2019 before I think any of us could spell COVID or knew who George Floyd was. And it was a group of companies that came together very much to your point, bubbling up saying, we can do more than the critical work we're doing in philanthropy, which is absolutely necessary. And we can do more than the work we all have responsibility to do to help the public sector, nonprofit sectors be successful. We can look at what we're doing and the way that we are investing, the way we are hiring, the way we are operating, the way we're creating business partnerships and business diversity. And we should be able to, there are probably places where we can do that together to have a greater impact on equity in the world. And so the coalition's mission from late 2019 was for companies to work together to address severe economic and racial inequities in the region using the assets and capabilities of companies. So the coalition had been working on that. And as 2020 hit, and as after George Floyd's murder in particular, the need to, to look at business practices and, and the demand to look at business practices came from both within companies and outside of companies. And so the coalition had been working on that. And um, it's, a, it's a natural uh, collaboration with We Rise Together um, in creating the 525 Move to Action. Um, it was a natural set of companies to say, beyond doing the work you're doing with the coalition, are you willing to be public, to make public commitments? Because that can hopefully inspire other companies to do more, to think about what they can do and to join the movement. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that as we go along, but I, I know you have different areas that you're move, making these moves in. And the one and the first of them is employment. And now I, I will admit, I sometimes uh, have a, a cynical would be a skeptical view of, uh, of corporate commitments to diversity um, because 
some companies think what you do is you hire a, uh, a chief diversity officer and we're done. And, you know, and now it's you, you've got now an employee whose responsibility is doing it. And if they don't get it done, well, it was their fault. And, and what is going to make sure that this is different, Gloria? Well, Craig, I, I know that you, as you know, I've been in this arena for a number of years. And so I have seen times when the commitments have not been fully executed. Um, but I think what's different now is the sense of ownership that goes throughout the company. Whereas you would have a chief diversity officer who was responsible, a chief diversity officer now is a resource because so many people in the company own um, the advancement of Black and Latinx talent. So for example, companies, you know, I, I would say 10 years ago, you had not heard about a company do an equity audit. Look across the organization to ensure that, um, that people are being paid for the, for the same work at the same educational level, at the same experiential level, equally. And now companies are actually conducting those audits and actually equalizing based on those audits. So data-driven approaches ensure that everybody in the organization owns um, that responsibility. And what we've seen now with 525 Move to Action, when we talk to companies and many of the companies that have committed are already leaders in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they stood up and said, we can do more, which was already, I thought, extraordinary. But we're seeing companies in 525 really think about building a pipeline. So they're, they're expanding um, internships, they're expanding apprenticeships inside of their company so the talent can be groomed. They're, they're focusing on retention of diverse talent and diverse hiring. So what you're seeing is the kind of mechanics that it takes, like an audit, to make sure that they are in, um, acting equitably and then working on the pipeline of talent. So I do feel that for many of these companies, they're really taking a different, more um, intentional, deep approach to this. I think that's right. Craig, I'm not sure if I would call your description cynical or um, a description of a reality that existed in many places. And I think the glorious point for several reasons, this is changing. I'm hopeful it's changing. Um, and the glorious point you see changes, you see incentive systems now being aligned around this. And it's one thing to hire a chief diversity officer. It's another to, to hold a business unit manager responsible for the diversity of their direct reports. Um, and I think you are seeing in many companies a groundswell from employees themselves saying, we want to work at a company that does more than just hire diversity officer that actually takes these things seriously. And people today are walking with their for feet um, in terms of jobs. So I think it, it is a, an opportune time. And I think it's important for us to take advantage of the opportune time. And that's part of what 525 and Rise is about. Brian, are you seeing companies committing the resources to the kind of outreach? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for companies to want to see diversity in the pool of people who apply to work for them. But it's another thing and more costly to reach out and, and look for those people to recruit. So I think it's, it's even more than that. I think 
um, companies that take this seriously have to think about the job requirements. Over the years, um, in economic downturns, many companies have added four-year degree requirements to jobs where most of the people don't even have those requirements, but they could do that. And so they have to ask not just where are we reaching out to, but um, what are we requiring of people? And Gloria mentioned apprenticeships. There's a network of, of companies in Chicago that have uh, expanded apprenticeships in Chicago to more than a thousand apprentices, which is fantastic. We should do more. But all of those companies have looked at, for instance, the job requirements and have said, we don't have to require a four-year degree for these jobs. We could hire someone with a two-year degree and invest in them ourselves. So I think the answer is yes, there are examples where companies are changing. We want to support that and inspire others to do even more. Um, one of the, the internships is one thing. Um, are you also seeing the efforts to retain people, the, uh, the mentoring, the, the way people are promoted? Uh, are they making changes in those areas so that you will eventually get a diversity of leadership? That, that's a really important, important question. And by the way, the, the apprenticeships are, are employees. They're not, they're not interns. The apprenticeships, the apprentices are employees. So, um, but, but to your really important question, um, the answer is some companies are doing some very innovative things in retention. And um, it comes from the realization among many employers that for several years, they have been working to hire from disinvested, from diverse communities and would bring on employees and then find that they were um, firing them at roughly the same rate they were hiring them on. I'm exaggerating a bit, but the retention wasn't, wasn't where it needed to be. And they, they began to realize that um, many of their internal processes did not understand where employees were coming from. They had an, an, an employee assistance program in New York that you were supposed to call if you were struggling. Well, there's no trust there between you know, an employee coming from Auburn Gresham, who's struggling to be told you should call someone in New York. And so a number of companies have come together uh, to create something called the Chicago Resiliency Network, which is a, a, a uh, network of companies committed to providing trauma-informed supports for employees so employees can be successful. And again, I think this is a really important time because employers are struggling to find employees we read about all the time in, in the newspaper. Well, we talk to companies about, let's make sure you're supporting and making successful employees you have before you have to hire new ones. And that's what the Resiliency Network is all about. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about Chicago area corporations committing to attacking inequities from several different directions. My guests are Gloria Castillo, director of We Rise Together, and Brian Faves, the director of the Corporate Coalition of Chicago. I want to move on to another area that uh, is, well, they're all important. They're, they're equally important, but this is about helping uh, basically black and Latino owned businesses, especially uh, they are among those that have been hardest hit in the pandemic. Uh, how is this initiative helping in that regard? Gloria? Well, um, the companies, many of the companies have committed to doing more business with black and Latinx firms. And Chicago in particular, this is critically important because we know that um, well, during the, this um, recession, 41% of black owned businesses closed between February and April of 2021. And 
that um, compares to um, 17% of white owned businesses. So you can see even with the Latino owned business about 32% of them closed. So you, the, the difference is really stark. And so what companies are doing is they are stepping up their, their uh, commitment to search out those firms that they can bring in on a strategic level that they can do business with over a long period of time, help grow those businesses, expand those businesses. And that's really important because people who are working for those minority owned firms, black and Latinx owned firms, um, generally are more likely to be people of color. And so that really is a healthy thing for the neighborhoods, for our tax base. You know, it, it really, there's a dignity to being able to go to work every day. And, and that commitment of these companies really strengthens communities. So it's more than, it, it sounds like it's just about the business relationship. It's really about strengthening communities when you do business with Black and Latinx-owned businesses. Um, Brian, again, it's a question of, uh, of seeing excitement or seeing something build up from the businesses. Uh, does it take much convincing or much effort to get them to see the, the landscape of businesses that they, or people, companies that they could be doing business with and to find partners who might be minority owned businesses? I think it takes effort, but it takes less effort than people anticipate. Um, I'll give an example, last November, Allstate, um, issued a little over a billion dollars in bonds and decided that they would use only minority-owned and veteran-owned um, uh, financial shops to do that. And that, to me, is a great example of questioning business as usual, um, providing real support, the kind of support that, that minority firms need. And the result was... Um, they had twice as, as much uh, uh, bids for the debt as they, they needed. Um, it took effort to reach out and frankly, um, to call the big banks and say, by the way, we're not gonna use you on this one. Um, but then the, the resources that came in that they discovered were out there um, exceeded uh, their expectations. And so, yes, it takes effort and it certainly takes, you know, back to your first question, um, it, it takes someone to say, we're gonna do this. Um, but I think what people find is the, the companies are out there and there are opportunities. They're just being overlooked because they're not part of, not part of the current networks. And, and Craig, I would just add to that, that we're also seeing some very large scale minority businesses who are also committed to 525 move to action. So when we scale minority owned businesses, black and Latinx businesses, they make significant contributions back into the community and they also lead in this, this way. So I wanna make sure that we, that we emphasize that, that there's a broad spectrum of firms that are committed to 525 move to action, including black and Latinx owned businesses. And in fact, I was, that was a point I was just gonna bring up uh, is that it is 25 companies, a number of them are, as you point out, minority uh, owned, but how do you get the broader <laughs> company? I mean, outside of this group, how do you get more of them 
interested in this? How do you get the general population not to think of this as something that's being done for some other group and that it's something worth doing for society as a whole? Do you want that for me or for Brian? I'll take it for to... both of you. I, okay. I'd, I'd be I'll... interested in, in, in your perspectives on this. I'll, I'll jump in. Um, first, I think one of the things that we understand is that what Chicago has seen over the last decade, particularly, is because of structural racism, our economic indicators lag. We, we are losing population, and that is bad for our tax base. So this is really a positive thing citywide. It is a good investment in our city to ensure that we have strong businesses, we have businesses that cover a, a broad spectrum of industries and that we strengthen that entire business community. That's really positive for everyone who lives in this region. So part of it is really understanding that context. This is good for everyone. This is not specifically only good for black and Latinx businesses. So I, I would think that that would be the first point. And, and we know that if, if um, we don't address this, you know, we're leaving like about $4 billion a year in gross uh, domestic product on the table. So this is a good thing. In terms of the, you know, inspiring additional companies to participate, many, many companies have aspirations. And it's really it, it, it helps them to be in community with other companies who have similar aspirations about increasing their spend with Black and Latinx owned businesses. And 525 is gonna provide that kind of platform for companies who have that commitment, who have that aspiration to come together to share leading practices. And so we think that this, this platform actually provides companies a way for them to meet their own goals um, by giving them a community which, in which they can have that conversation. Brian Fabes. This is, I, Craig, this is fun because Goy and I have never actually had this conversation. It's such a great, it's such a great question. Um, I think, as Gloria said, there are many compelling reasons why we have to do this. I would just add to the important reasons Gloria provided that we cannot run a regional economy that is increasingly excluding people. Economies only thrive when you include them. And Chicago is not alone in that, but our history is such that in many ways we have been leading in excluding people. And I think people get that is not a way to build a robust economy and a thriving uh, region. And people want a robust and thriving region. I completely agree with Gloria that you know, for those who are already there, part of what we're doing is providing tools, a path, knowledge to be able to do this, best practices, new practices. Um, but I also think part of our role and part of the way you get companies is, is to talk about the impact and, and make this a norm. And so again, that's part of 525 and we rise making this a norm. Um, and, and the examples are, are terrific to talk about. It, uh, Discover just opened a call center in Chatham and their CEO, Roger Hochschild, talks about the, not just the fact that they have found an, an abundance of talent for that call center. Um, and uh, he talks about the, the, how that has inspired people across Discover, that he gets calls from across the company in the end, the impact that that call center is gonna have um, on Chatham is gonna be dwarfed by the impact Chatham is gonna have on Discover. So you, you, you talk about those examples. When CEOs question business as usual, they often find exciting upsides that 
frankly, people weren't anticipating. And with the, uh, with the few minutes that we have, I do want to address the last and what I think may be the biggest hurdle uh, that has to be handled, and that's uh, neighborhood investment. Besides the fact that you're talking about money, uh, it's also a matter of getting companies to see neighborhoods as someplace where they can make money. Uh, and how well has that part of the initiative been working? And I guess we'll start with you, Brian, because, <laughs> because that's probably in your court. <laughs> So I think I think you're right, right? We need all of this, and in particular, um, everyone in the region needs to understand that West Garfield Park is our that residents of West Garfield Park are our neighbors. Um, so I'll talk about some of what we're doing. Um, we have an initiative called um, the Corporate Connector, which is connecting business resources and uh, uh, supports to entrepreneurs and catalytic real estate development, the developments on uh, the south and west sides of Chicago and the south suburbs and disinvested communities. And I think that's really important, not just for the supports and the business connections that are being made, but to your point, for the human connections that are being made between people who live in different parts of our region who have never been to West Garfield Park or to Austin or to pick another neighborhood. Um, we have a, a innovative, fund called the Epic Fund, which is providing uh, flexible, patient, risk-tolerant capital that plays the role of equity um, in neighborhoods where debt may be available, but for the lack of equity. And, and there's a perception that people don't want to invest equity in, in many communities. And so this is helping not just to advance projects, but to change that perception and establish the impact that equity-like capital can have. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing. And Gloria, let me uh, toss the monkey wrench in here. Uh, and, and that is, how do you get those companies to be willing to go into neighborhoods when all of the headline, not all, but many of the headlines that they're seeing, some of them, you know, on, on our station and other, and, and in the newspapers, suggest that some of these neighborhoods that need the revitalization are too dangerous. Well, part of it is we have to demonstrate a willingness to invest in these communities and show how there are members of these communities who are building businesses and want to thrive and are bringing jobs to their communities. And so We Rise Together is actually taking a multi-sector approach to our neighborhood investments. We're using philanthropy to help projects that need to get off the ground or need to get to completion to revitalize some of our commercial corridors, as well as some of our um, business communities. So we start with some philanthropic dollars. We bring business to the table so that they can see the opportunities there. We're in co uh, conversation with the community residents to ensure that the residents agree with the investments that are being made in their community so that those communities can be vibrant and thriving and stable. Um, and where people can actually live a very um, a, a good life with the assets and amenities that we enjoy in Lincoln Park or in Lakeview should be enjoyed across the city and all of the other neighborhoods. So it starts with taking this multi-sector approach where we are making investments in community, bringing business to the table, bringing um, other resources to these communities. And then when you can start to see and feel and touch the change that's going on, 
we do believe that the businesses will see that these are thriving neighborhoods in which they can they can uh, place call centers, they can they can place their retail operations, and and they will be profitable. There's money in these neighborhoods. They you know it, we just need to make sure that that we give the opportunities. Have you had, and we only have, uh, we have actually less than a minute left. Uh, uh, have you had other companies saying, hey, can we, can we sign up to, I mean, are, is, is the 25 gonna grow? We've actually had a number of companies uh, call us in the last couple of days saying, how do we get involved? Um, and so we will certainly be growing this list over time. Um, and, and yes, absolutely. Companies are, are stepping forward. Brian? Yeah, and the coalition is growing. Um, this is the right time. And it's exciting to see people trying to do the right thing. We're trying to give them a path and a way to do even more. And uh, this is going to be the time for me to say thank you to Gloria Castillo of the Chicago Community Trust and Brian Faves, head of the Corporate Coalition of Chicago for spending this half hour with us. Uh, really informative uh, conversation, and I thank you both. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There should be a link a little ways down the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.